morning, church. It's good to hear from Pastor Lance. He may be in the U.S., but it's exciting to know that he got a couple weeks in Israel, in the Holy Land, and I am so excited to hear um, just what the Lord had been speaking to him there and what we can glean from that. This morning, I am excited to have the opportunity to share the word with you. Um, this will be definitely the last installment of The Pregnant Preacher, I promise. <laughs> we are about six weeks away from having our little girl, which will be amazing. But how many of you know that when you are, thank you very much, um, when you are pregnant, you can see that somebody's pregnant, but also sometimes you can go into a, like their space, maybe their home, and you can see the signs of pregnancy around. The person doesn't even have to be there. Right now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with nesting, but nesting is real in my house. <laughs> I am obsessed with getting our house exactly the way that it needs to be before our little girl gets here. And in fact, as I was preparing my sermon this week, the number one thing that kept me from preparing was that I am sure that every door in our house needs a fresh coat of paint. I am positive about it. I see it everywhere, and I just am itching, and I, I told myself I can't do it until after this weekend. So if you see me this week, I'll probably be drenched head to toe, probably in a little bit of paint. The other thing that you can tell at my house uh, that maybe, maybe some nesting's going on is that 80%, 80% of our Christmas shopping and wrapping is done. We are getting ready for Christmas already because our little girl's coming in November, so I'm not going to want to do any Christmas shopping after that. So things have been a little hectic. And then finally, the other day I experienced something that, you know when there's something going on in your body and you just know it's not right, you know, like something's, something's wrong. And I was, I was actually very sure. I, said, I thought, this is really serious. Something is wrong. I've never felt this way before. This was actually a few weeks ago, and I, I said to my husband, I was like, Something's wrong. I don't know what's going on. Maybe we need to go to the doctor. This is very serious. I was convinced that it was something rare, a rare pregnancy issue. I looked into it. Turned out I had heartburn for the first time in my life. <laughs> and I was sure that I was going to die. Some of you have heartburn every day. God bless you. It is horrible. But things are going really, really well. We, um, we're just excited for our family to grow. But it is such a awesome opportunity and such a blessing to be able to share the word of God with you this morning. Um, I, it's really something that I look forward to every single time, and especially in this moment, in this season, because this is my favorite sermon series of the year. It's our theme launch. Pastor Lance mentioned that in his video, that, that it, we're in the midst of our theme launch. Do you know that every year Pastor Lance spends time months before September praying about, God, where are you taking us this year? God, what are you saying to our church? What do you want to do in our church? And, and the Lord will give him a phrase, a vision, a direction of where we're going. And for those couple of months, he bounces it off of his staff. We pray together about what that looks like. His council, leaders in the church. And together we come and we say, yeah, no, that's, that's where God is leading us. This year we feel like what God is saying is this year's theme is called your move. What does your move mean? We believe that God is saying, I have created a foundation within you. I have, I have settled that foundation. You have made room. You have gotten ready. And now it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to step out. And we're moving forward. We're going to go into a place we've never been before. I believe that God is saying that he's going to pour out his spirit in a new way on our church in this coming year. And that what we look at is in, in the Bible, we're in the midst of Joshua chapter 1. 
Now, for some people, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And what it looks like is, is Joshua. He's a guy who's leading the nation of Israel. Israel has been out of slavery now for 40 years, wandering around through the desert. And God had a place that he promised to take them. It's called the Promised Land. We'll go into that a little bit in a moment. But they, God said, you have to cross this river. It was a big river, the Jordan River. Cross this river, and it's time for you to claim that land, this place that I've promised you. It's going to be new, but everything is ready. It's your move. What are you going to do? Are you going to make a decision to go forward? Are you going to go into the promises I have for you, or are you going to sit back and stay where you are? We're going to get a little bit more into that in a moment, but will you pray with me as we get into God's word this morning? God, you are so good. Lord, there's nobody like you. God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning in your word. God, I pray that as you are calling us to move forward, you would give us an understanding of what that looks like. God, would you give us strength? Would you give us courage? And God, I pray that in Jesus' name, there'd be no distraction here this morning, but God, that we would be able to just get into your word and hear what it is that you're saying. Because God, I believe that you're speaking. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So Joshua chapter 1, as I mentioned, for some of us, this is a, a familiar passage, but it's funny because in Joshua chapter 1, I think there's a lot of really common Christian terms. We talk about the promised land. How many of you know that that, we don't just use that in, in church anymore. People will say that in the world. They have no idea what it means, but they're just saying, hallelujah, I'm going to the promised land. Like, what is that? What does that really mean? Well, in short, it was the land that God had promised Israel. We'll give a two, maybe a two-minute history of Israel lesson up until that point. We know how the nation, the country of Israel, got started. You know, in America, we kind of rehearse those traditions in our lives, don't we? We talk about the Founding Fathers and the Revolutionary War. We talk about that a lot. We talk about the beginning of the United States. And for us, we were fighting for a land to call our own. For Israel, it didn't start that way. It started with a guy named Abraham and it was all about his relationship with God. That God said, I love you. I love this relationship with you. And you know what? Through you, I'm going to bless all of the world. I'm going to create a country out of you, a nation out of you. And I'm going to save the world through this nation. God's plan was that he would bring Jesus through Israel and that Jesus would save us. And so he, that's how Israel got started, is that God said to Abraham, I'm going to make a nation out of you. So over the course of a few generations, Israel... Uh, multiplied and became more and more of a nation, but they never had a home. Can you imagine that, never having a home? I think the closest that we think about in a people group that maybe doesn't have a home is refugees or tribes, people who've been kicked out of their land and they're looking for a place to settle. Well, Israel never had that to begin with. In fact, after a few generations, there was such a big famine that they were going to starve and die. God miraculously created a way for them to live inside of Egypt, another nation, so their nation living inside of another nation. Think of them almost as refugees, but it was their permanent home. And eventually, Israel grew to be so large that Egypt started to feel uncomfortable. They thought, they are too powerful for us, so they enslaved Israel. And Israel stayed slaves for hundreds of years. And in that time, they were crying out to God. They said, God, we may not have a permanent home, but our identity is in you, and you said that we were your chosen people, so what are we doing here? Eventually, God rose up a leader named Moses, who then took them out of slavery. God did incredible miracles in that moment. They were released from slavery, and God's original plan in that moment was that they would go from Egypt 
straight over to a land. God said, I have a place. I have a country that I want you to settle. You're finally going to have a place to sink in deep your roots. And you will live here. Now, there are some people living there right now. you got to kick them out. But this is it. You will finally have a place to live. Can you imagine how comforting that would be for them? They, they called this the promised land because it was the land that God had promised them. Now, through a series of, of events, which I'm not going to get into this morning, you can read the Bible, you can go and listen to um, Pastor Lance's sermon from a couple weeks ago. He gets a little bit into it. But they didn't go immediately into the promised land like they were supposed to, and they ended up having to wander around the desert for 40 years. Now, this desert wasn't like this vast desert where they didn't know where they were. It was just this place between Egypt and the land that they were promised. And after 40 years, God said, when the last of the older generation dies, when Moses has passed, then it will be time to go into the promised land. Now, they had seen, there had been glimpses, almost visions. People had snuck into the promised land and see it. They knew it was good. They knew it was good. But now they were at the place where it was finally time to go claim the land that God had for them. And there would be a fight on the other side, but God said they would be victorious. So what is the promised land for us? We talk about today in our, in our Christian walks. What does the promised land look for us? Last week, Pastor Omar did an awesome job of teaching us that really the promised land for us is spiritual maturity. That place, maybe you've been wandering in the desert in addiction, and you can't get out of it. Over and over and over, that thing controls you, enslaves you. And God said, I have freedom for you, but you got to get there. You're standing on the edge of the Jordan saying, if I fight, if I move, God says I can be free of that thing. Maybe for you, it, it, it is that issue of, of that roller coaster of emotion up and down. You're with the Lord, you're without the Lord. But in spiritual maturity, the daily walking out, there's foundation, there's rest, there's growth. God is calling all of us. I believe that the Lord has promises for us as a church that he's going to pour out his spirit on us in this next season. But I think that individually, the Lord has also given us promises, things that we have just gotten taste of, glimpses of. And he's saying, now is the time. Will you move? Will you go? You know, Israel was at a place where they were making that decision of whether or not they would really go, whether or not they would really move forward. And they were also facing another moment. I think something that's incredibly human. I know, we know that people in the Bible are human because the Bible makes it very clear that they are not perfect. You read that and you're like, ooh, that is messed up. <laughs> like, wow, wow, Bible, way to give me the inside track. Um, we know that they were normal people. And knowing normal people around here, our church is full of normal people. I imagine that they had this moment in struggle because you have to understand something. Moses was the only leader they had really ever had, wasn't he? The only spiritual leader they had had. Moses had, Moses had just died before Joshua chapter 1. And through Moses, God did incredible things. I mean, like you read about the miracles that God did and you're like, what is going on? Plagues in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He defeated their enemies. God gave them, God gave them food day in and day out out of nothing. And Moses was in the middle of all of this. Now, when Moses died, don't you think that the Israelites probably faced a temptation to wonder, if Moses is gone, does that mean God is gone too? Because we're humans, I know that as Christians, we have this 
temptation to mix up the works of God with the people of God. So we maybe have a pastor that we feel very close to. We see God doing incredible things through them. And maybe you, through circumstances, you move or they move on. You're no longer together. And you're faced with a new leader. And you go, well, they don't do it the way that the other one did it. That other one really knew God. He was really anointed. She really knew how to worship. This new one, I don't think so. God is not with them. Therefore, God must not really be who I thought he was. That when they were facing Joshua, Israel had probably this question deep inside of, is God's promise still good? God said he would take us into this new land, but now that Moses is gone, do we really get the promises fulfilled, or is it, is it all for nothing? Are we going to die out here in the wilderness? In Joshua chapter 1, God is commissioning Joshua, saying, I am going to be with you the way I was with Moses. And Israel learns a very valuable lesson. Listen up, because I think this is so important for our theme this year. Israel learns that it was never Moses' move to begin with. It was God's move. And that when God is calling us to move and to step forward, it is not about our movement. It's about what he is doing already. That the move of God, we may feel like it is difficult to stand up, but we are not alone. God is calling all of us to stand up, and we are moving where he is moving. I think this theme is different than the other themes we've had in the past. Because in the past, we've had themes that have been um, directives. Maybe they've been inspirational contemplative. There have been different themes we've had. I think this is our 11th theme this year, year theme. But I think that this year, what God is saying is that this isn't a direction. This is a conversation. That God says to us, I have made a place for you. It's time to move. And we turn right back up to heaven and we say, God, I'm going where you're going because it's your move. He says, yes, that is right. I'm going. Will you go with me? That back and forth, we say, God, it's your move that I'm following after. He says, awesome, stand up, let's go together. It's your move. It's God's move. In our walk with God, we see a pattern, don't we? Where God moves, then we move. Then God moves, then we move. In fact, we see it in the coming pages of Scripture in Joshua. Spoiler alert, the Israelites do move forward into the promised land. And as that happens... We see God move, then they they move. God stops the Jordan River from flowing, and they move across. God tells them to stop and be circumcised, so they stop and are circumcised. God gives them the battle plan for Jericho, so they go around. They, they, They go around the city wall. God breaks down the wall, and they move in, and they take the land. God moves, then we move. And God moves, then we move. He is the one that has initiated it all. We love because he first loved us. But before he gives the GPS battle plan, you know, for for Joshua, for all of the people in Israel, they were at this place where they were so ready to go. Can you imagine? You're like, I have been sitting in this wilderness for 40 years. I finally get to get out of here. Let's go. Okay, God, I know that it's time. Will you give me the battle plan? Will you give me the instructions? And so God does that in this moment. But before he gives them the battle plans, he gives them the key to victory. He says, I'm going to tell you what you need to do, but if you miss this one thing, you're not going to succeed. If you miss this one 
thing, you won't succeed. So before I give you the plan, I'm going to give you the key to victory. It's in Joshua 1, verses 8 through 9. He says this, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's not miss that moment that it says, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. God wants us to move forward, but he doesn't want us, he's not setting us up for failure. He wants to give us the key to winning the battle. And he says this, we're going to kind of break down this scripture says, study this book of instruction continually. That word study, I think, is not very, um, we don't do that very much anymore, do we? Unless you have to in school, we don't sit down and study things. We're a consumer culture, aren't we? Read as many articles as you can, like as many posts as you can, retweet as many things as you can. We consume things quickly, and then we just let it go. It's out of our mind. Maybe we reference it in conversation later to make yourself look pretty smart. But we're not actually studying things. We don't go back to the thing over and over and over again. But God says we need to study his word continually. It's intentional. I love here that God is calling scripture because that's what he's talking about here is scripture. Now, of course, Joshua and the Israelites didn't have all of the Bible. They didn't have all of scripture. It was being written in that moment. But he calls it a book of instruction. You know what he doesn't call it? A, a collection of inspirational quotes, right? How many times, I'm so guilty of this, do you read like your devotion or the Bible and you're looking for like that cherry-picked beautiful moment that's like, ooh, I'm going to share that on social media. <laughs> Spiritual, I'm looking good. It is, it's not a book of inspirational quotes. God is giving us instruction for our everyday life. God calls us to be holy as he is holy. Now, thank you, Jesus, there is grace. It is by grace that we're saved. We don't have to work for our salvation. But the Bible is not just there to make us feel better. It's there to make us like God. What is the Bible? In Hebrews 4, 12 through 13, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. The Bible is powerful. And if we don't come to the word of God with understanding its authority in our lives and in the lives around us, we are missing out on so much that God has for us. The Bible corrects us. There are times when I'm reading the Bible and I'm going yes and amen and then there are times that I hit a verse and I'm like, whoo, I'm not living my life that way. Oh my gosh. The Bible is there to get to the deepest part of us and God is calling us to study it. But not just to study it for the, for the sake of a checklist to get through it throughout the day. Do you know what the Bible brings us? Psalm 19, 7 through 8 says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, 
bringing joy to the heart. The commandment, the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. When we are studying God's word and we are internalizing it, what do we have? We have reviving of the soul. We are made wise. We have joy. And we're given insight for the way that we live. This is our lifeline. These are the words of God. You know what's interesting is that when we talk about the move of God and God, where are you going? Our senses don't totally grasp onto God, do they? We don't get to see God. We don't get to smell or taste or touch God. But we do hear God. We need to be listening carefully to what he's saying. The next part of this, it says, study this book of, in, of instruction continually, leading us into the next part of the verse that says, meditate on it day and night. I'm going to be honest, I have, I've kind of stayed away from, whenever I hit moments in the Bible that it says meditate on my word, I get a little bit, um, I don't know if I'm the only one, I kind of like will jump away from that because my understanding of meditation has been very Eastern religion focused, Buddhism, it's all about clearing your mind, and, and I, I have to tell you guys, that's not godly. That's not what God has for us. It's, it's something you don't want to mess around with. So I don't really want to talk about meditate on God's word, but when you study what Christian meditation is, it really couldn't be any more different from Eastern meditation than it is. The goal of Eastern meditation would be to empty your mind. The, the goal of Christian meditation is to fill your mind with scripture. It's to fill your mind with scripture. You get scripture in your mind and you rehearse it over and over and over again. It's something, we meditate on stuff all the time, whether you know it or not. Like when someone makes you really mad and you are in a fight with them and all you can think about is that situation over and over and over again. You rehearse it, you rehash it, it stays in your brain. That's destructive. Godly meditation does the same thing with scripture. You get it into your brain and you think about it over and over and you don't just do it on accident. You intentionally bring it back. So maybe you're thinking about something else and you know that you really, it's not positive. It's not what's going to bring you closer to God. So you intentionally pull out that scripture again, maybe on your phone, and you read it again. And you meditate on it. You think about it. You know, when we, the, what's interesting in Christian meditation is that when you are meditating on scripture, it leads you into action. The purpose of Eastern meditation is nothingness, is, is they're looking for peace. But we know as Christians that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. We only get peace through running to Jesus. But when you empty your mind, you, they're looking to empty your mind to find peace. We know where peace is found. And in, in Scripture, what you'll often see is that... It says, meditate on scripture, meditate on the good works of God. And then in the very next verse, in the very next breath, it says, so that you will obey all that I have commanded you, so that you will do the things that I have said. The purpose of meditating on scripture, of Christian meditation, is action, is to move forward. And we see that in Joshua chapter 1, where it says, meditate on it day and night till you will be sure to obey everything written in it. I think we're scared of letting scripture transform us because it's hard work, isn't it? We say things like, I would love to be a part of that Bible study as long as I don't have to do the homework. I, would lo I, I love reading the Bible for about a minute and a half because we don't really want to take the effort 
that it takes to change the things that God is calling us to. When he says your move, he's saying, I'm going to move you forward, but you have to know where it comes from. It comes from my word. It comes from my truth. And in the next, in the next part of this verse, gives us that key that I think we can expand on just a little bit. It says, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I think this word discouraged is very telling. And in fact, as I was praying for this weekend, I felt like the Lord has really, really put something on my heart. Um, I think that some of us, when we talk about then you will succeed in all you do. Then you will be prosperous in all you do. That God's going to take you into the land of promise. I think some of us, and I believe that the Lord is saying that there are some people in this room that come to that a little bit jaded and frustrated. Because you have been following God for years. God gave you a promise a long time ago. And you have yet to see it come that you have been following God over and over and over. And when God says, I'm going to make you prosperous, I'm going to make you succeed, you go, okay, fine, that would be a first. I have been so discouraged and beat down by wandering through this wilderness that I don't really think that that is for this life. I think maybe I was confused. Are those promises really what God has for me? But church, we have to understand something about the people of Israel. You know, we talked about how how there in the Bible it was saying that God moves, then they move. Then God moves, then they move. The Israelites were very familiar with this concept because do you know that when they were wandering through the desert, they weren't wandering aimlessly. God did a miracle and he actually represented himself in, in a cloud during the day and fire at night, that there was a cloud that would hang over the camp during the day and it was fire at night. And God was representing himself physically to say, Stay with me. And sometimes that cloud or that, or that fire would move and the, and the camp would follow him. And the, God did this for 40 years all through this desert. So Israel was used to this, that God would move and then they would move and then they would stay with God. And then God would move and they would move and they would stay with him, that he was protecting them in that season. And for some of you, you have been following God for years and years and years through the desert and you have been following him. You haven't been unfaithful. But it hasn't been the time yet to go into the promised land. Do you know what was happening to Israel during those 40 years? The old was dying away. The disbelief was dying away. And a new foundation was being risen within their country, within their nation. A foundation that God could take them into the promised land in a different way. And I believe that that's what God is saying to us. He's saying, you have not been in the desert for no reason. I have built a new foundation in you, and it is time to move forward. I have built new muscles in you, muscles that you can fight with. It is time now. Now is the time of promise. Now is the time to pour out my spirit on you. And now is the time to go into the promised land. We may stand on the Jordan River as a church and say, God, we don't know exactly where it is that you're taking us. And we know it won't be perfect on the other side. There are giants to defeat on the other side. There is work to be done. But we don't have to be afraid. Why? God, said, God does not promise us perfect things in this life. But he does promise his perfect love. 
And his perfect love is what casts out all fear. Church, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be discouraged. We just need to stand up and follow God. So when it says, only then will you succeed and prosper in all you do, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Church, I believe that the Lord has given us a key, that he's saying, I am moving, will you move with me? But you will only succeed if you meditate on my words. It was funny, when I was, this last week when I was, um, it was kind of, to be honest, a preacher's dream. I was, I was studying, and I was trying to figure out a little bit about meditation, Christian meditation, and how have Christians done that throughout the centuries? And every which way that I studied, it always came back to this one method. It's called Lexio Divina. Have you heard of it? As a church, we've been doing it together for the last year. And it's, it's a method of reading scripture that um, we, that we it's, it's a little slower. It encourages you to read scripture over and over and kind of chew on it. You start out kind of in quietness with the Lord, and you read scripture, and then you stop, and then you read it out loud. And it can feel a little bit awkward, can't it? If you've ever done it, sometimes that feels a little bit awkward. When I um, am alone in my room, and I'm suddenly speaking out loud to nobody there, it can feel strange. But you know what's interesting is that in, there's research today in, our, in today's day and age with all of the computers and phones, all the interaction that we have. Do you know that now, in today's generation, it's almost impossible for us to learn any bit of content without engaging two senses at once? So you can read something silently and it's going to kind of go away. But when you read it out loud, you hear it and you see it at the same time, it goes in deeper. And so Lexio Divina, what we've been using, we have a Bible reading plan as a church that we've just started this last, the last few weeks, where Pastor Lance and some of the people that are close to him have taken his preaching calendar for the whole year and broken it up into little scriptures that we can read a few scriptures a day, every single day, and that we're reading the same scriptures together. And then on the weekends, Pastor Lance is preaching on those same scriptures. And then we get to our life group midweek and we're discussing those scriptures. You know what that's called? That's called discipleship, isn't it? That's called growing. That's called unity. And what's great about this is that it's only a few scriptures, so you get to digest it. You get to go deep into the word. But if you already have a Bible reading plan that you're going through, that you love, continue to do this. This isn't a great addition onto it, but as a church, it gets us moving in the same direction. And if you aren't reading the Bible, this is an excellent place to start. You can find it, there's a, there's a Bible reading plan card out in the mezzanine at the, at the info center you can grab. Personally, I go on to psec.net every day on my phone in the morning, and I spend time, um, we have the readings on there, it's under teaching, and then read Bible daily. You scroll down to find today's reading. But I, I, I love this, because to be completely honest, I'm not in a season where it's very easy for me to get into the Word every day. Like, it's very difficult. We have a two-and-a-half-year-old who we just started potting training about a week and a half ago. So if you think of me, pray for me. Oh, my goodness. Life is crazy around our house, and I don't have personal space anymore. I don't have that lingering time in the Word that I used to. But I know that when I don't get into the Word every day and I'm not letting it transform me, things are different. I know I used to feel really guilty about not getting in the Bible every day. And I would feel so guilty that it would keep me farther and farther and farther away from my devotions. But I had a great leader in my life say, Kari, when you miss a, when you miss a meal, do you feel guilty or do you feel hungry? 
When you miss time in the Bible, don't feel guilty. Feel hungry for God's presence. That you got to get back to it. That it is going to bring you life. It's going to bring you joy. It's going to bring you insight into daily living. Church, I believe that God is calling us into a new season. And that he says, buckle up. You do not know what's coming yet. But we have to seek him. And if we know what he is doing... If we know that he's calling us and he says the only way you will succeed is this one thing, why are we not getting into the word? Let's meditate on his scriptures. God is moving. Are you ready to move with him? Church, let's pray. God, you are so good. Lord, there is nobody like you. And God, I thank you that the promises that you have given us is what you will give. What you've promised is what you will give. God, that you have life for us on the other side, but God, we don't have to be scared of the fight, because you will not take us where you are not going. Holy Spirit, I pray that this morning, God, I pray for the discouraged this morning. God, I pray that you would you would give us insight into what you're really doing. God, would you encourage us? God, I believe that there are some people who have been crying out for answers. Lord, would you bring peace in that situation, Lord God, and would you give us the answers to the questions we have about this last season so that as we go forward, Lord God, the old chains could fall off, the old baggage could fall off, and God, as a church, we could stand up, we could rise up, we run after you with everything we have. Lord, I pray that you would bring new life today. We love you, God. God, I pray that this week there would be a tenacity within our church to get into your word. Lord God, that nothing would hold us back from studying and meditating on your words. God, I pray they would give life. Lord God, I pray that your spirit would pour out in abundance on us as we sit down and read your words. God, I pray they wouldn't be able to get out of our minds. You are so good, God, and we are excited to follow you in this next season. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.